Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we catch up with Ariel Phoenix. I've been working with her since the beginning of the year, so there are uh, several other updates, and she has a portfolio of sites. We started focusing on uh, one or two of the sites, but we're going to not only hear about those, we'll hear about her whole portfolio. Now, if you remember, if you tune into the shows, we appreciate it, and the July update that we published in August was kind of a down one. So uh, traffic was down. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. And then we we actually did know that a Google update was rolling out. So we were nervous. I was a little nervous, Ariel. So uh, this month we have news to share. Uh, you know, nothing huge, but it is interesting when you look at the full scope of the portfolio. So Ariel, how are you doing today? I'm good, Doug. Thank you. And um, yeah, sight, um, last, last month was quite shocking. Lots of people said that I didn't seem as, as happy as I usually am when I come on, um, when I come on these chats. But yeah, I'm fine. It, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, there's some ups and downs. And I think when you, when you just hear the success stories, when people just gravitate towards those, you think it's all just positivity, but like any business, there's ups and downs, yeah. many external factors that you have no control over and you just have to pivot if you need to and adjust. And that's, I mean, it's good that we're going through this together and the audience yeah. gets to understand it as well, instead of just yeah. sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, Let's let's get into the uh, the core numbers, and of course, people can tune into the the other updates that we've done all through 2022, and there are blog posts as well. Plus, your blog, you actually go into a little more detail, a little bit of uh, different stuff, so people can read all of that to really dig in. But let's just talk about uh, August and mm -hmm. some of the the core stats, and we'll start with site two, which is the yeah. one that we're generally focusing on. So um, traffic's gone down since being hit. So I thought it was going back up slowly. I didn't have that big jolt that lots of people have had that have been hit. So um, what it looks like is Google is rewarding some articles because my EPMV has gone up, my engaged page views per visit has gone up, and the time on page has gone up. So overall, while the traffic's down, um, the revenue is down 45% in ads. And the traffic overall is down from 22,000 visits to 8,000, which is really bad. <laughs> but because um, the EPMV has gone up, the ad earnings are about $200 down, I think. I think it got $500 from ads last month and then 320 yeah, it got 580 last month and then um, in July and then 320 in August. Okay, gotcha. So, big hit, but not the same percentage of a hit as the traffic. So, that's yeah. interesting. And yeah, when you told me that stat uh, before we started recording, I was like, oh, that's that's crazy. But like you said, Google is rewarding that content is still getting traffic. It's still ranking. Yeah. And, it, you know, overall, it boosts your EPMV. It's like the right traffic, the right ads are showing. So, it, it does make sense. Although yeah. it sucks to lose that much traffic. <laughs> that much traffic. Yeah, I'd love to have the same traffic I had and improving with that EPMV because <laughs> then it would be better. But, yeah. So what are the what were the earnings uh, total? And for site two, you actually have, you know, ad revenue. You also have affiliate revenue, but not just from one source. There's actually several sources. So what's the overall revenue for site two? Yeah, so despite... Um, losing that much traffic, the site still earned um, $1,090. Um, in July, it earned $1,250. So you'd expect a bigger hit, um, losing three quarters of the traffic. But because of the affiliate earnings, which were $700 of that, um, yeah, I was able to still earn a significant amount. So um, yeah, 70% affiliate earnings, and then the rest was ads and digital products. Gotcha. And did you expect that at all? Like when traffic dropped, did you think this is extremely bad and revenue is going to drop exactly the same way? Um, I didn't 
I did expect the revenue to stay. I didn't think it was going to go down too much because I knew that my split wasn't, the ads didn't make up the whole, you know, it wasn't a huge, it was a huge proportion, but it wasn't the most. And because of the type of affiliate program that it, that I, that I'm signed up with, I knew it was going to keep compounding and going up. So hopefully, even though my traffic's down next month, I can say, okay, I earned 800 or $900 from these affiliate programs. And even if the ad earnings don't go back up, it will just be supplementary, you know, until it improves. Got it. Yes. It's so interesting too, especially when we're, a lot of us focus on not necessarily you and I, but or you and me, I always get this confused. But anyway, basically, if the right content is ranking, then you can earn a lot of money. And a lot of people focus on publishing a thousand posts or 2000. Yeah. And they're, they're thinking, hey, I want to have this huge, gigantic site. But you can do it with a small number of posts that are really targeted, high quality, and they convert well. You're much yeah. better off having like one or two articles that convert well than whatever dozens that don't. So yeah. this is a perfect example. Plus you had the diversity and revenue sources. So you're kind of insulated a little bit, or at least the the impacts are buffered. Of course, it goes yeah. both ways. You know, if, if um, something blows up and, and does a really good thing and conversions go up, it's a it's a fraction, it's a portion of your total revenue. So it buffers it in both ways, but that's how you hedge risks. So cool. Yeah. And I, I kind of made the mistake because when I, when we realized that site two was doing well, um, that's because of the, the EPMV, it seemed quite high compared to my other sites. And I only had 70 articles on it at the time. So that's when we decided, okay, the EPMV is better. Let's put more content on it, which is what I'd done. And then Google's just kind of said, no, this, this can't, even though I thought that content was a lot better right. than um, the other stuff, Google's. And, and it's not even as if the new articles are the ones that aren't ranking now. It's a mixture. So I've got some old ones and some new ones. So I don't know what the pattern is there, if there is one. Um, but yeah, so throwing more content at it didn't, didn't necessarily make things better. Okay. Anything else with site two before we mention site seven here? Um, it earned $46 from digital products. So we did speak offline about possibly adding another digital product, a different type, um, which would be a good way to increase affiliate earnings and then have another revenue stream. Um, so yeah, that's something that I I'm going to look into. Okay. Very good. And the, the digital courses are, are they your own products that you've created or okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. All right. Now we can move on, I think to site seven. So if I remember right, uh, well, actually, I don't remember. Was there any traffic impact uh, last no. month for Site 7? No, Site 7 didn't go down. It's been pretty consistent growing in traffic. So it, it only grew by 4.5% from the last month. So it's got 23,000 visits or 23,500 visits. Um, page views are up. Um, page views per visit is up and time on page is up. But the EPMV, which was already disappointingly low, has gone even lower. And it's now $5.50. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's on a race to, to zero. Fairly low. And, and you did talk to your Ezoic account manager and they mentioned yeah. because of the specific industry and the topic area, there's not that many advertisers that are interested in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a very, it's a very small niche to begin with. I know I've spoken to a few businesses. I know that they're not doing much advertising. They don't, yeah, it's just not something that advertisers, I guess, really care to advertise on. So sure. That makes sense. But on the, on the upside, there are some products around it, right? So what, what was the revenue for the site? Yeah, so and three hundred and twenty dollars. I think I, I have a commission from one of the affiliate programs, which would be another forty dollars. So yeah, around three hundred and fifty dollars. 
Okay, so not too bad. And the site's under a year old, right? It's just about yeah. 11 months or so? It's about, is it it's maybe, yeah, maybe 11, 10 or 11 months now. I'm, okay. I'm losing track, but yeah. Sure. Which, you know, it's not, that's not too bad considering, I mean, I know what it is, so it's a pretty obscure thing. Um if the EPMVs were higher, you would be earning a lot more and yeah. you've split your time. I mean, people uh, hopefully just did the math. You have like s- six other sites, seven other sites that you're working with. So you are, you're a busy woman. And yeah. I think, you know, 350 and it's not a great match. Like that's not bad. Like that's paying yeah. for whatever, uh, vacations for a year or I don't know what kind of vacations you take or maybe a car payment for someone or whatever, right? A couple dinners out. So, all right. Now, one other thing I want to bring up is your portfolio, right? So you have several other sites. What was your total earnings roughly? I know uh, maybe you don't have the full calculation, but yeah, what was the total earnings from your seven sites? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be roughly just under three thousand dollars um because i've got all these all these different affiliate programs i'm trying to keep track of um what i mainly track is ad earnings and amazon earnings but because i know i've diversified quite a bit and when i go and add those up it's just like oh a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a hundred dollars from this place and two hundred dollars from that place and sometimes you'll log into an account that you've not logged into and then you'll see that you've got, you know, an extra $80 and it all adds up. So here's a quick word from our sponsor, Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S, the source for age premium domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The featured domain for today is designedvisions.com and it was dedicated to educating people on permaculture. They ran regular courses teaching people how to perfect the ecosystem, the ecosystem in your garden or yard or space or whatever. And they had a certified permaculture design course. It was created in 2004, pretty old, 18 years old, and it has a domain rating of 21 and a domain authority of 21 as well. And it's perfect if you already have a gardening site, you can you know, link it up and do the proper redirects and take advantage of that. You would, of course, want to recreate the pages that did have the links and make sure you capture that link juice. Or if you're interested in gardening or have a background in probably like some sort of landscape engineering or design, it would be perfect. You have a few ways that you can monetize this. There's tons of informational topics, so you could cover that. Monetize with display ads. There are physical products that you can use, tools and other equipment. Would be perfect for affiliate programs. Amazon, of course, but there are many other affiliate uh, offers that are available. And even better, there are courses out there in the space on permaculture and landscaping design. So certainly take advantage of those. Finally, if you wanted to go the sort of lead generation route, there are experts out there. There are certified permaculture pros, and you could refer the visitors of your site to those professionals in their local area. There are 125 unique referring domains. About 110 of those are do follow and they include big websites like theecologist.org, zdnet.com, google, permaculture.co.uk, veganorganic.net, and many, many more. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account. And if you make a purchase, well, then I get a little commission, which I greatly appreciate. Thanks to Otis Global. And let's get back to the interview. Right. Do you happen to know how many different revenue sources you have? Is it like 20, something like that? Yes, probably closer to 20 than 10. <laughs> yeah, that's something else. Well, I mean, you know, I usually tell people to focus on one site. And I think most of the time I, I will stick by that. Yeah. There's the rare case and I mean you are you are one of those cases so you have um experience producing content, you have experience running blogs, so you didn't have to learn that piece and you're in a situation where you you were able to start these several sites and move forward so when you hit a hiccup, 
as far as like the EPMV with site number seven, you were like, okay, we could pivot. And then traffic's down on site number two that we pivoted to. And you still made a pretty good amount of money. And it turns out site number two still did pretty well because you have this diversity, not just with multiple sites, but you have it with your revenue sources too. So it makes it more complicated in some ways, but it definitely insulates you from like volatility. Yeah, it's, it's definitely more chaotic and it wasn't by design. I just thought that that's what I needed to do. Like this, there's a, a program here, there's a program here, but then you're not, like you said, you're not focusing on one. I could probably narrow down and focus on like a, a few different affiliate programs and make more because I could make more content geared towards that. But um, I guess what I've done is I've got a list of all the different programs that I'm on and types of products that I can promote across the different niches. So anytime there's an opportunity to um, do an internal link or, you know, link out, I'll just add an additional paragraph or something that, you know, forwards them over to um, that affiliate program. But I'm not doing a good job at tracking to see if those where I could be doing better because it's so chaotic. Right. Yeah. Well, to that point, you know, would you consider, it sounds like there's uh, at least one or two affiliate programs that do really well in site number two. Yeah. Are you considering going deeper into that one because you see, oh, this one converts well, the customers seem to be happy, the content's doing well. So yeah. is that something you're considering? A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, um, it, I mean, the signs are there. It's telling me to do more because it's, it's showing me one, it converts two. It, it's compounding and yeah, it's, it's earning the most um, in a single source on that site. So yeah, I have to, I definitely have to. Very cool. Well, do you have any thoughts on how you will do it? Is it um, something that you already have planned out or what do you think? Yeah. I've got so many, I've got so many ideas um, for how I can make that affiliate program work um, more Um, But the main one is what we spoke about, the digital product. So embedding it in. So not just selling the product, but embedding it into the product um, as an option. So not making it so they have to um, join this program, but making it an option and um, just showing them the different ways that they could use it and how it can benefit them. So I think really making a a valuable product in itself and then using that to promote that program would be a good idea. Perfect. And I'll, I'm going to restate it with an example that I have. I know what you're talking about, but I know some people may have not connected those dots. So I'll, I'll state it and then you can tell me if I have it right um, in the same way you want to apply it. Yeah. So people potentially know I'm, I'm into camera gear and uh, taking photos and video and stuff like that. And I wanted to do a better job with uh, portrait photography. So yeah. I just, I, I know some of this stuff, but like, I was like, I'll buy a course. So I went to Udemy, which they run, they run sales all the time. It's like yeah. 90% <laughs> off. It's bananas. Yeah. So I got a couple courses on portrait photography and they were like 10 bucks. So I went through some of them and you are thinking, Ariel, that you're going to have your own digital course or you already have a couple digital products. Yeah. So in the photography course, they didn't do this, but they could have. They could they could have had a section where they said, we're using Lightroom to do all the photo editing. And, you know, Lightroom is great. We're going to do all the demos. You can use other tools if you want to. It doesn't matter. You don't yeah. have to edit. There's a bunch of other tools. But if you want to use Lightroom, you can. And here's our affiliate link. Like you get a, you get a 10% discount or whatever. And then we get a commission. So yeah. there, the, there's an analogy there. You could also do, you know, it's photography. So they could say, hey, this is the lens that I use. I use it every day and I love it. And it'd be great if you got, you know, this one. And here's my affiliate link to Amazon or B&H Photo. So yeah. is, that the, is that a specific yeah, example? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think, that's how, I think that's how most people do it and on YouTube. Um, so it's like, this is what I'm doing. You don't have to do it, but this is... The results I've been able to get with it. So yeah, it's cool. really, really simple, but yeah. And that is, you know, when I started um, learning about working online, 
it's that example, right? So once you get a few years ahead, like you'll look back and realize like that's how you were learning. So when I started, it started with the keyword research. So there were demos on a tool called Market Samurai, which I think was kind of garbage by the time I even mm -hmm. got to it. So I was sad that the person that I learned from was even yeah. promoting it anymore. <laughs> what then, is it compared to? Is it like AppSumo or something completely different? Uh, something different. So Market yeah. Samurai is like Longtail Pro or uh, it's, it was a keyword research tool. Yep. So basically a keyword research tool and it was fine. But like I said, by the time I got to it, like I think it was just out of date. But <laughs> as, you know, as things go with podcasts or YouTube or even blog posts, like maybe they published it three years ago and they're doing other stuff. And then I yeah. went back to the archive and I was like, okay, yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> but it's, you know, three years old and they didn't, you know, update yeah. the tool very well. So that, that happened to me <laughs> with yeah. Alex. Alex had, um, I went through Alex's old videos. This is just when, when I just got started. And um, he had, he was talking a lot about WooCommerce. I think, not not WooCommerce, I always yeah. get this, WooZone. Yeah, WooZone. And, um, and I went and I set up, site three was set up with WooZone. And I had all of these products and stuff from Amazon. And um, and then I noticed as I got closer to his, his newer videos, I noticed that, he wasn't talking about it much anymore. And I think I said to him, like, what, how comes you don't talk about um, WooCommerce any, WooZone anymore? And he said, oh, yeah, we, we don't really we don't use that anymore. That's and I was funny. like, oh, my God, I've just built a whole site around this concept. I, I took it off because it wasn't doing anything good. Hi. Yeah, shout out to WP Eagle, Alex Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I met him. I met him probably in 20, shoot, I don't remember, uh, was a few years ago. But yeah, I was running across his content and we were in the same like Amazon affiliate space. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this doesn't <laughs> even make sense. Does this even yeah. work anymore? Like yeah. how? And um, yeah, so we he's, he's obviously changed. But I think at one time, like it did, like a couple of people were like, yeah, make it like a hundred. Yeah. I mean, it was, again, similar to the similar to the AI situation that we're in right now. Some people were making some money, but I did not run across anyone who was like, I'm making like $8,000 a month yeah, from a WooCommerce yeah. site. The, the problem with those, um, this is going too deep and then we'll get on topic here. But basically, I, those sites, from what I understand, it was like scraping the data from Amazon yeah. and just making it look like you had an e-commerce shop. And you would have a ton of pages. So there was a chance that you could rank for specific product names or models. And yeah. you could earn from that for sure. But it was very low quality content. I mean, it was literally just republishing what was yeah, in the Amazon same. description. It, yeah. it even had like a spinner. I think you could attach your subscription to a spinner that you have to, to change up the, the product description. So yeah, there's no, it just made more sense. I, I think it could have worked if you had a blog and then you were, you were like collating the products or something. So you had something original, but yeah, as it stood, I did rank for some specific terms, like you said, but any yeah. clicks through that I got to Amazon were from blog posts, not from those products. So yeah. And to your point, like if you had a blog and then you had a store over there, like technically you could make some sales, but like probably like it would just be the one off thing. It's not, yeah. it was not going to work out. Like people were telling you not Alex specifically, but there were, no, yeah, there were a whole series of products too, where you could just, you know, uh, one click Amazon stores and yeah. you know, people would email me, Hey, it's a hundred dollars. Is it a good deal? And I just, luckily those are not popular anymore. Yeah. And people have kind of moved on now. They're all interested in AI. So, okay. Which funny thing, you know, I published a few of the AI videos and thanks for your help and some of the ideas. Um, but people are not asking about the AI tools nearly as much anymore. Um, no, I don't know if they're I mean, recent update it's been, it's been around for a while i think i think people i don't i've not seen any correlation between the, the ai and the sites that have been hit but i think i think that the market is so saturated with ai tools that it's not if you know if you're in this space you already know about them you just have to go and, and look, do your research so 
I think in the beginning, like a year ago, people needed information. So they had to find out, is this tool any good? Is this, but I don't think you need that anymore. Um, I do think people are still using them. I think they're just being more creative and not just doing the click. Like um, I'm not going to mention the the tool, but click, put put a title in click and get a blog post is not, it's not worth your time. So I think yeah. people that were being quite lazy with it are just being more strategic. Yeah. That is a super charitable way to put it. And I'm, I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to work with the, with the tools. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we'll, we'll move on. I will be doing more videos. Um, I just got a little busy. So yeah. Have the, you had much signups from it yourself or? handful you know not too you know i look back at like the number of views for those videos and and like i I mean the thing is you know you mentioned people needed the information a a little while back the thing is i mean you're on the cutting edge or you were on the cutting edge so you were an early adopter most people haven't experimented with a tool so there's a huge set of people and really what i was mentioning is on my live streams and other interaction since I published the videos, fewer people are asking about it, which okay, is, yeah. and it could be, you know, maybe the people that attend are more experienced in the normal community. Yeah. And it's, you know, the newer people that are like, Hey, I saw a video on X yeah. tool, but yeah. I think I, they just wanted your, your take on it as well, because you've, you've been saying quite a bit about it. So they just want to know what, how you feel about it in, in 2022, I guess. Yeah. Towards the end. Yeah. Well, the other thing just from the YouTube side and you have a YouTube channel as well, but you know, sometimes you'll, you'll publish a video and it does. Okay. But then it'll be four or six months later and then the algorithm picks it up. And then yeah. it starts to get a lot of views. So I was perhaps a little impatient. And the thing is, if I continue publishing the videos, I'm pretty sure yeah. it'll grow some legs. And the good part, there's a ton of tools. So I'm doing some work with um, Outranking, which you told me about. Yeah, really and they approached me to to be a subject matter expert with authority sites. Yeah. So I was like, sure, I can hop in and... You know, what, one of the things I was like, I don't want any, I don't want any revenue. I don't want you to pay me for this because then okay. I'll feel obligated. So I'm basically like volunteering and I'm learning directly from them and they're good contacts yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's the founders that I'm working with. Yeah, they're used- really good with that. They, yeah, I got on a call with um, the lady. I've forgotten her name. Yeah, yeah, she's really she's really cool. So I got on a call with her. She showed me different things about the tool because it's so complicated. When I first joined, the UI the U, UI was a bit different, and I was struggling to navigate it then. And then they changed it. I think they changed it about three or four times. Um, but it's so complex, and it's not it's not just an AI tool because of all the SERP stuff that you can do. So it's like a combination of the Jaspers and then surfer seo and it's got so many things going on with it so it's a really good tool if you do have if you have the budget for it because it's not i don't think it's cheap if you're using all the different features like the the drafting the auto draft but it's got enough tools that you could um generate like um using generate a really good outline and then use the ai to put together like information and then give that to your writer if you've got a nice process of that which is what i've been experimenting with then you can get some really good content out for a, a bit cheaper and quicker if your yep. writer is trained up. So yeah, I like, I really like our ranking. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It seems like you said, it's on the premium price range, but it combines, you know, th- probably three or four tools yeah. and some stuff that I haven't seen in very many other tools. And it's more, I mean, you kind of, you have to think about it as uh, like a content manager for like a bigger organization and not just like, Hey, let's find a handful of keywords. So it's definitely like a level up. And I, I mean, it's a bargain for like a big, you know, media type company, but yeah, yeah, if you're just getting started, it's a little pricey, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So after that series of tangents, for for the sites, um, you were talking about digital products and 
the can you can you outline what you're thinking of and and we mentioned it before so share as much as you uh feel comfortable sharing here so just the video course like a, a small a small course so it would literally be the one long video i don't think it would i don't know would it make sense to do just one long video or just still dice it up so it's easier to digest how long of a video are you talking about it's, it's based on how long the process takes. So I couldn't just do like a raw video. I'd still have to cut it up a bit. But um, I'm thinking of going through the process. I, I want it to, to be as little friction as possible because I know people start courses and then don't finish them or, or they're put off by how complicated some things are. So I was just thinking to go through the process and then, you know, break it down with um, like a, a, a PDF or something to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, but then to market it, to use the YouTube channel that the site has and um, and put together a shorter version just to tell people exactly what is being done and then use that to sell the full course. Okay, got it. So I have a few ideas around it. We'll start where you asked and then we'll get into the YouTube section. And I'll point out in case this is the first episode that people saw with you, Ariel, or that they're checking out now, part of this is coaching. So I'll tell you what I think, and then you could adapt from there. And this is just my first, you know, gut feeling here. So most likely you will want to have multiple videos within the course. Typically, you know, you want the videos to be at least two minutes long, but they could be very short and just introduced introduce like one or two ideas. Sometimes it's like the overview. So here's what's in the course. We're going to go over X, Y, and Z. Here's some of the navigational components. If you have a question, do this. So, you know, just saying a couple intro things like that, it's going to take you 90 seconds or two minutes, a little background on yourself, perhaps. When you're talking about the full demo, it could be cool to have a full demo where it's over the shoulder and, you know, roughly unedited so people can see it in real time. And, you know, maybe it's an hour, like it it can be that long, but people that are really trying to learn everything, they would want to see all of it, including you struggling through a piece or two. If you have to think about it, they could hear your thought process as you're, navigating that issue that you didn't expect. So that that's good. However, people don't want to see that when they're learning. They want the clean version. So yeah. for that, you probably would want to divide it up into however many individual phases or steps. And yeah. then each one of those could be a lesson. Typically okay. for courses, you want the videos to be between something like three and 10 minutes, at least what I learned. It's for attention span. It keeps it moving. It forces you to keep it moving. And someone can check out a lesson if they only have whatever, 30 minutes to dedicate. They could check out like a 10 minute lesson, take some notes, maybe watch it again, like really try to understand it, but it makes it bite size. Yeah. Um, but the big overview can be valuable, but I would I would save that for like after you go through all the individual steps. So it's like okay. here you learned all the steps and now... Here is everything all together in real time. You could see exactly how the sausage is made. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. A- any questions on that? No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you mentioned going through, because in theory, when you're watching a YouTube video and like you said, all the mistakes and stuff, that's helpful in, in the YouTube video format. But like you said, when you want to get your result and you just want to know, what do I do here? What do I do here? Kind of like how your course is set up which I'm going to be doing a review of soon as well. I, I didn't mention that. But um, but yeah, so when it's spaced out like that, it's a lot easier. It's more digestible. Right. And then, you know, when, you go, when you're learning a bunch of content, like sometimes you'll remember you went over something and then, you, you know, you never want that to be the mistake piece, right? And like sometimes you make mistakes, but as long as you point it out, it's okay. But like you want it to be right yeah. One thing you mentioned also was like putting together a PDF to follow along. So that's great. A lot of people do, especially, you know, uh, different languages, maybe English is not their first language. So they want to see it written out. It's just easier for them to put it all yeah. together. And 
the other piece of that is if you do put together like the outline and then you put together the PDF, you have your video script right there, or at least the bullet points that you're going to go over, which makes it very easy and it makes the videos clean. So I have some friends that, you know, they're like, I don't want to script anything out. I want it to be natural and it's not as clean. It takes longer. People repeat themselves when you don't script it out. Like these kind of interviews, I'll end up repeating myself a few times, but if I'm, if I'm really working, I'll write a script and stick to it. And then it's much faster and cleaner. And that's what needs to be in a video course. Yeah. I'm trying to find my flow because I've done both um, with the, uh, I forgot what it's called when it shows you the text, the teleprompter. Teleprompter. Yeah. So I've I've tried that and um, I've got to figure out ways that I can write that, how I talk. So I'm not sounding too mechanical because yeah, I get, I'm able to say it without making as many mistakes. Cause if I, if I talk to myself before I press record, everything's fine. <laughs> as yeah. soon as I press record, I'm just, yeah. So, um, I need to find a balance, but I think the teleprompter thing makes sense. Script, scripting it first makes sense. Yeah. That'll be something to, to work with. And one thing that I ended up doing now I'm much better. So if I'm writing a script, I know to, Make the sentences shorter than you think. They need to be just simple sentences, yeah. sometimes fragments even, which will make sense in in your speech. But I'll obviously go, I'll write it out. I'll go through and read it out loud and see where I fumble over it. And then yeah. I realize that I need to clean it up or simplify it or something like that. Yeah. The other thing, the app that I use and I have like an actual teleprompter screen thing that I put my little yeah, iPad on. Right, yeah. um, it, there's a remote on my phone that I can control the teleprompter with. So okay. I could just pause if I want to riff on something and that yeah. makes it sound more natural. Okay. So sometimes you, as you're talking, you're thinking, oh, I just had an example from today. So you could pause it, talk for 30 seconds and then start it back up. And then yeah. it sounds like the whole thing is more natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so that's great. Now, on the YouTube side, I think, you know, you're 100% right to make like a bite-sized version. And, you know, you've probably seen a bunch like this also where when you're explaining the long process, maybe you have to simplify it. And instead of 10 steps, it's five. And instead of showing like every little detail of the five steps, it's like three points from each one of those. So you can press it down and, you know, hopefully I I think these days, probably, you know, a video like that somewhere between like seven and 15 minutes, give or take is probably the right amount of time. It is a complex idea, but on YouTube, people are so distracted and they they don't want to watch something that takes too long. But yeah. and complaints on, on what I've got a video that done really well. It, it turned out to be 30 minutes long because it was just raw, unedited over the yeah. shoulder. And um, it done really well, like I said, because the information's good. But then there were some comments that were just like, you could have skipped that part. You did, <laughs> didn't need to know about that yeah. and that. But most people, most people were appreciative of the information. But still, I would want to do a cleaner version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's tough. You know, I say I give that like amount of time, but like, again, Alex over at WP Eagle, he does these really long tutorials and they do great. And I think uh, Miles Beckler, he does some long tutorials also. So depending on what you're doing in the delivery, uh, you know, you can hook people in for much longer videos and I don't have current, it's not a high priority for me. I'll put it that way. Um, I was going to say, I don't have that, that skill and, but it's probably something I could learn if I put time into it. I just, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. So, um, and I could actually see that on my, I think some of my demos for Jasper were a little bit long, but those are, those were raw because I didn't know how to use the tool and I wanted people to see like what it was like to learn fairly straightforward, but 
Yeah. Which ones do better, your longer? Because I think for a while you started doing snippets of the longer interviews. I pers- I prefer longer, I pref- especially if it's an interview when you were having like more guests on talking about their sites and their income. I prefer the long one, but I did see people saying that this, they're too long. Can you make a 10-minute version? And I think you did start doing that for a while. Were you seeing the same sort of... Yeah, so two parts of that one at some point I was doing just clips. So I would take like this interview separated into like six different videos and then publish all of those. And it turned out that, and I tested this two to three times for like a month or two. So a pretty good amount of data. So it would boost the number of views sometimes, usually not the overall watch time was down for the channel. And there were a handful of people that would watch the clips, but it didn't drive very many people apparently from the clip to the full interview. The YouTube algorithm realized that, you know, I would flood my channel with a lot of videos, say two or three per day on average. Mm -hmm. So they were not, uh, YouTube was not suggesting those clips to people that weren't watching it. And then subsequently they weren't suggesting my other normal (laughs) videos as much either. So it just wasn't out in front. So for the right people, they, they loved it and they would watch the clips and they would watch the full thing and they would, you know, just, they, they like it, but other people, it just didn't work out. So I then thought, Hey, what if I shot a separate interview? Like, after we finish the full interview, we'll talk for six minutes, do a quick overview, and then okay. see how it goes. Now, the yeah. sad part is that actually does well. And it gets a lot of views and because it's short. But yeah. I don't particularly enjoy those. And it's like repetition of what we just talked about. Yeah. And there's no value. There's no information in it. It is yeah. just an over it's like a listicle there's nothing helpful in there so yeah. Yeah. i don't know do, so did you yeah did, I, did you watch any of the short form interviews like i mentioned or i did um but like i said i prefer the longer ones anyway so you would put the shorter ones up and then i'd just be like okay let me just wait for the longer one because yeah. i prefer the longer ones but yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, that's what I would prefer to consume myself. And I don't want to, like I said, the short, the short form interviews did well, but I guess I'm stubborn and I'm like, I'm not going to play along with the algorithm. I'm just going to publish what I want to publish, which yeah. I have the luxury to do. So I'm lucky to be able to do that. But at some point I may, I mean, I, I test things out just for knowledge, but okay. Yeah. So any other questions about your idea for digital products, the funnel, or anything like that? Um, I've got some notes here. Let me see. Okay. No, so it's not about the course. It's about, um, yeah, so we spoke before we spoke about, well, yeah, so this one is about the course. We spoke yeah. about pre-selling courses before. Yes. Um, I, yeah, so with this one, it's a bit different, so... It wouldn't be a preset. Like I don't see. Well, you tell me if I'm if I'm wrong in thinking this, but I don't see much value in pre-selling it. Um, if I'm going to be doing that YouTube video, which is kind of like the teaser for it, would it still need to be pre-sold? Is the question. I would still. I would still go through and do the pre-sale activity. So the thing is like, you could still do the short YouTube video and see how it does, right? You would want to have potentially like the pre-sale information sales page put together um, to send people from the YouTube video. The thing is the YouTube video might do well, but the course might not sell. So the thing is, it's pretty easy to do the pre-sale activity. You can just yeah. put together, I mean, basically you put together the outline for the course. You put together like it's a couple bullet points of each section 
and it's usually like just a few pages long. It doesn't have to be too much. And the, the big value in pre-selling is like, you know, that people are interested and they literally have already paid you. So the benefit with that is you're not going to create something that is not going to sell. And you could set some threshold, probably 10 to 15 people like, Hey, if I sell this many, then I will complete the course. If I don't sell at least, if I don't pre-sale at least 10, then I need to rework. There's something wrong either with the audience or the sales page or the pricing, maybe a couple others in there, but those are the main things. So if you, if you are unable to pre-sell it, then you should stop and figure out where you messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was the issue. Would I ask the audience, would I do a poll or like, what would I do to, is it just me troubleshooting what I could do better or just ask them why they wouldn't, if they like the video or like the concept, why they wouldn't like more information on that, I guess. You, you should ask them why you should probably rely on your own deduction skills and I could help you too on like where to rework it. Um, You should ask because you may be able to get good information, but people suck at telling you the truth. So (laughs) they may say, Oh, like I'm too busy or I like, it's the price. Some people may say, Oh, it's too expensive. And then someone else will say, Oh, it's too cheap. And I thought it was low quality. So like there's a, if you if your yeah. sample size is, is is too small, like it's not going to be useful, and it could throw you in the wrong direction. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, best best practice is to ask, like, do a survey. Hey, why didn't you purchase? And then you understand their objections. Yeah. You can use that in the sales material. So it's like, well, I didn't know if I would have enough time to go through it. Don't worry, you have <laughs> lifetime access, right? So yeah. that's why. <laughs> that's why when you know, you're walking through, uh, this happens to me. I walk through the store, there's like a mobile phone representative or whatever. And they're like, Hey, what cell phone service do you use? Like, I'm not going to answer that because they're going to start like, Oh, are you happy with it? Like, do you have any, so, or, or if someone's trying to sell you something and they say, uh, why aren't you interested? If you tell them, they're going to try to tell you why you're yeah, wrong to sell to you. Yeah. yeah. So, so never answer that. If you don't want to be sold to just say, I'm just not interested. Yeah. I have like, there's nothing you could say to change my mind. Yeah. Um, I'm a real jerk to, to deal with when <laughs> someone's selling me something. So I want to go to one of those timeshare sales things, you know, where you get the deal and then they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it, but I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd come out. I'd probably buy, I'd buy like three units, you know, I'd, oh, I'd wow. fail at it. No. Um, <laughs> so it's really important to do the pre-sale for the reasons I mentioned. And the other thing is it is a good thing to know how to do. So yeah. when you come up with other courses in other areas, pre-selling should be your default. It okay. is, I'm pretty sure most of the course platforms teach you to pre-sell the products because yeah. they don't want you to waste a bunch of time and this is the issue that we had with Christy. She created two courses, made the whole fucking thing. And like yeah. the second one, she didn't sell one and wow. she wasted thousands of dollars, like creating yeah. a course. And she, you're like, you could test that. It is yeah. like, it's a playbook. Like there's yeah. a thing you could do. So I don't want you to create a course yeah, unless racial. people are waiting on the yeah. other side. There's no better motivator. Yeah, it's easy to do that because you think that your product is the best thing in the world and that everybody would want it. And then, yeah, crickets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So uh, what other questions do you have? Um, the other thing was back on site seven. So it's really bad EPMV, but traffic is growing. I found um, a way because before the issue was that it's completely niched down. I've found another sub niche that might be more lucrative. Um, it definitely has more, um, I won't, not products. It doesn't have any products. It's got more um, businesses that would be, I think would be willing to advertise or that, that do advertise. I've seen myself um, and it has the potential to just create a whole new cluster that still kind of ties into the original niche um, unlimited keywords and then 
also more topics that could be added to it. But it's not it's not exactly related. It's just like a, a branch that can be. I think sorry, <laughs> semantically it's related. So yeah. Okay, gotcha. And so the question is, should you explore that area? Yeah. Sure. Because I'm no- not doing anything on site too, but beyond um, planning this new course thing, I'm I'm kind of watching to see what it does because it's just everything I thought about it is wrong. So, um, and with the earnings being still being okay with the affiliate program, I don't feel like I need to keep throwing content at it just yet. So I was thinking to go back to site seven and explore this new topic. Sure. I I don't think there's any harm in it. And the way you described it, it's worth testing out and just see what happens. So yeah, it's good. Um, that again, you have multiple sites and like, there's always like little things you may uncover. Like you said, you found this other sort of pocket of content that is, you know, close enough that you should you yeah. know, give it a shot. Well, the other thing is because it's kind of obscure in the, there's not many advertisers in the industry generally, yeah. like there's not much competition, right? So the yeah, money, the money competition. attracts people. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have any reservations on approaching it or like, do you see any downside to checking out that content? Um, my only worry is what Google thinks of it. <laughs> cause I won't know. Cause I said they're not, it's semantically related. So I know Google, Google isn't, there's not a person saying, okay, this is not completely within this niche. So I don't know if I'm thinking too much about it, but yeah, my worry is that the topics are not related enough that Google's going to reward me for those other keywords, but also there's no competition there. So okay, it, it might not have a choice. Yeah, there, I think, you know, because of that, you should be okay. I haven't heard anyone else say this specifically, but in your opinion, would the same audience be interested in both topics? Yes, a, a subsection of them, not all of them. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. But okay, and, and I like to think of it that way because, like, like many SEO questions that are really very hard to answer, and the answer is it depends, or I don't know, or you'll get <laughs> a different result every time you try it. Um, I, I haven't done this specifically, but generally if like the same audience is into it, or at least there's a subset of the audience that is, then you may be um, in fine shape. And the fact that there's no competition or very little, that should pave the way where, you know, Google won't really have a choice because there's not really many other results to, yeah. to serve up. Yeah. I okay. So. Cool. Anything else? No, that's, oh, I always do this. Um, I wanted to know when your course opens back up because I did say I was going to do a, a review on it. So I just wanted some information on that. I, we could probably talk about it offline though. So cool. It's up to you. Yeah. For the people that hung, hung around for the full interview, <laughs> I'll share. So I usually launch in October will be the next time okay. around. So you, you have plenty of time to put together a review. So it'll be like early mid to October mid-October, something like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one more thing is I've been using, I used a site, uh, a site audit tool called Scrutiny. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. What's it's it do? App. It's a Mac app. So it goes through all your pages. You give it your URL and it goes through all your pages and it looks for bad links. What I like is it's not a service. It's just a tool. So mm-hmm. it finds all this stuff like missing alt text and stuff like that. So I've done it and I've generated a report on site too. Um, so I was going to go through and see if I can um, see what I can find in that. So I was just wondering about site audits, if, if they're any, if you reckon they're any good, if they, if they give enough information to improve things. And uh, You know what? I don't know. I have gone through a few similar activities And, you know, I went and fixed links and, you know, cleaned everything up and the times that I've done it, maybe three, it didn't, it didn't do a damn thing. So, uh, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have everything, you know, cleaned up and it shows that you're doing a good job, but I mean, 
Yeah, I, I did. I have not seen any impact by going through, or honestly, even you know the site audits where you delete old content and like consolidate things. I haven't seen much of an impact from that either. Again, it's not bad to clean things up, but I don't know if you'll. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So scrutiny is it a paid tool? Yeah, it's a, well, I think there's a free version and they've got a paid pro, pro one, but free version, yeah, you just, you can add as many sites as you want. Um, it's called Scrutiny 10. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a very well-known tool. I know there's, there's probably plenty of uh, monthly subscription type ones, but I'm trying to stare away from <laughs> any, any new subscriptions. Yeah, they get expensive. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, good to get the update from you. And I wanted to ask you a couple other things, but I'm actually, I'm all out of time here, but maybe we could cover it next week. But, you know, people mentioned that you seemed a little down because of the the traffic uh, issue in July. And I want to talk about like the psychology and like, were you pretty down? Like, how do you keep moving and stay motivated and and all that stuff? So we'll save it for next time, but that's something you could think about too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I talk about it all the time on Twitter anyway. Um, and we did kind of touch on it on that niche lifestyle show. Right. Um, so it all ties in. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll catch up next week. Thanks a lot, Ariel. definitely been a roller coaster on this specific case study and you know it is good to go over this this is the reality of you know working online for a long period of time you are going to have ups and downs from the case study perspective it is you know not as fun it's great if it just turns out that there's constant growth the whole time Maybe that gets boring and you want to see, you know, some of the reality out there. I mean, in 2022, I don't know how many algorithm updates there have been total. I haven't uh, looked, but today that I'm recording this outro is September 14th and another Google Core update is rolling out this week. So there's just been a lot of activity and a lot of volatility on the SERPs in the algorithm and it's definitely it's definitely made it more volatile. So again, a little bit less fun, but it is the reality and I know there's a lot of people. I mean, the thing is if a site goes uh, down, if it loses rankings, that means another site went up. So there is uh, you know some balance in that. So there are some people who are benefiting from it and there are other people that are not. And like I said, the volatility is tough to deal with. It's tough to figure out like how to plan. The day that I'm recording this, we had a niche lifestyle show with Adam Smith and Mark Mars from Niche Website Builders. And then Alex Cooper from WP Eagle. I'm just trying to make sure I match up the person's name with their actual brand properly. And basically, some people are like, ah, you know, the site, one of my sites like took a little bit of a dive. I think this was Alex. So one of his tight sites got hit in one of the previous updates. So he just stopped working on it. Let it sit. He didn't do anything. He didn't take any drastic actions, but he started working on another site. In this update in the last couple of days, his site got a bunch more traffic back. Rankings returned and he's ranking for a lot of stuff, like very high. If not number one, you know, in the top five. So his traffic really went up and it's just a little hard to figure out what to do, right? Like if you have a couple sites, then you could bounce back and forth. Is that the best move? I don't know. If you keep working on the site that actually took a dive, maybe when it comes back or if it comes back, maybe it has like a stronger return. No one really knows. So this makes your certainty of what to work on lower. It just makes you question, you know, should I work on this site? Should I work on another site? Maybe you don't have another site to work on. So you're thinking, should I start another site? And some people may even think, wow, I I don't want to be 
um, in a position where I have to just deal with these algorithm updates and they may take a different route. Maybe they want to go to the you know social media route, spend some time on TikTok or something like that. I don't know if you could spend some time on TikTok. It seems like once you get on there, like you're hooked, your whole day will waste away. But anyway, this is an interesting case study and I'll be catching up with Ariel before too long. And if you haven't left a review for this show and you do enjoy it, it'd be great if you left a review on, you know, Apple podcast or maybe Spotify, something like that, that does help. And even more, you know, tell a friend, share it in a Facebook group or something like that. Let someone know about an episode that you feel particularly helpful. And that helps me out uh, in growing the show and reaching more people. So with that, have a great day out there and I'll catch you on the next episode. 